Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 203 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. And we're finally back. What's up? Yep, back to your regularly program. Was it? How's it going? Regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Out of all the years, this is one that's taken the longest. There wasn't much of a summer gap. Or there was a big summer gap, but there wasn't anything in the middle to, I guess, uh, get our cravings down. But yeah, it's been fun. Messi in the U.S. has been fun to watch, but trying to get back to the Prem. We just did our fantasy draft last night. That was absolute chaos. And, <laughs> but yeah, it's we're recording this on the 8th. We got the first game Friday, and it's going to be it's going to be downhill from there. Yeah, we've only got two days uh, in between. You know, we, we've basically gone through the entire day today, so we've got to wait tomorrow and the next day, and then football is is back in our lives. Uh, I have been absolutely scraping for any sort of game I could I could watch. I watched the other day. I watched the uh, the Community Shield, obviously, which was which was great to see. And then I watched um, yep, the Thank you very much. Uh, important trophy for sure. We're we're on our way to the quadruple now, um, and I watched in the morning that the U.S. versus Sweden game. Both of those games ended in a shootout, and then I watched another game that was in a shootout at nighttime too. Uh, one of the league cup, league cup matches. Um, so just craziness, a lot lot of shootouts, and I, I I gotta ask you quick before we get into this. I mean, how do you feel about the shootout? Because the more and more I watch them. The more and more I hate them. I used to love them as a kid, but I I really hate them now because it really is kind of a coin flip. Yeah, it's it's a last resort thing. That's kind of how it goes. But um, I mean, people have not seriously probably, but have thought the idea of doing the MLS style back in the nineties. Oh, the, the shoot! That was a crazy shootout. It's like a hockey shootout. Yeah, you get ten seconds to score to take a shot if you're the shooter, and the goalie can do whatever he wants. So. And maybe if people want to change it up like that, they can do that. But I mean, it like I said, it's a last resort. You play 120 minutes to fuss to find a winner, and it's just it's how the game goes. There, we're we're constantly trying to figure out new ways to get it to make the game more engaging, uh, to find ways to keep the ball in play as long as possible. There, uh, the referees are going to be booking players and managers now for more time wasting when, yeah, when you that. commonly see players kick the ball away. Uh, they will be getting a booking straight away. I don't know if they're going to be giving that to somebody already on yellow. We'll see when that moment comes, but I think that's a positive. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, we we see the ball in play for a little under 60 minutes out of the 90 minutes, but realistically, if the ball was in play 80 minutes, guys would be gassed. Fucking gassed. Yeah. You got you to gotta think about if, if you're in that situation, then you need to have a little bit of time to settle down and catch your breath i mean you can't be running the full 90 minutes yeah but to be fair like the amount of abuse last year that some of the teams conducted like in in terms of time wasting newcastle being like the number one offender it was really really bad like they they did need to do something about it will this be you know the actual solution to the issue i'm not sure uh, especially because, like you said, it, you can't run straight for ninety minutes, and a lot of these players do play ninety minutes every week. So uh, those those ten fifteen seconds you get uh, on a throw in or or on a free kick, it's usually longer than fifteen seconds for a free. But um, 
it is kind of important in like maintaining, you know, your wind as you play. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how, uh, how the bookings kind of come through from the refs. As we know, not every ref is as, uh, steadfast in the rule book so we'll we'll have to see but it was good yeah. i was i was glad to see uh you know that the fa wanted to do something about that yeah and we're gonna see double minutes of stoppage time like how the world cup like world cup are. yeah so games are gonna be 100 and some minutes long now 110 almost probably yeah i mean that sorry it was yawning that i have nothing wrong with that that's fine um we we saw a lot of crazy things happen in those extra minutes of stoppage time in the men's world cup not not so much in the women's world cup i don't think the numbers were as high but uh that should that should be interesting and maybe even give us a little bit more time to cash those overs uh for those of us that like to gamble Mm -hmm. um okay i suppose we will get right into these games we've got a packed slate most of the games are on saturday that is the 12th of august but we head to friday first where burnley newly promoted burnley take on the treble winning manchester city team at turf Moor. what can we expect from pep going up against vincent company and his newly promoted side I think it's going to be a mirror image of how Pep versus Mikel goes. Maybe not <laughs> yeah. the most recent time, but it's it's teacher versus mass or sorry teacher versus student, and we've seen how Pep's done against all of his his, his past uh, students, and it's, it's it comes out in his favor. But I wouldn't count out Burnley entirely here. It's they're back in the prem for the first time in two three years. The fans are going to be up and ready for it. They're the lead game as well. We've seen crazy things happen like two years ago when Brentford came up to beat Arsenal at home. So these newly promoted teams, the first five weeks, I would say you got to watch out for them and don't don't forget about them too much. Give them some credit. So and potentially they're going to be stealing a a rival player from um which McCall other newly promoted team Sheffield. Potentially they're getting Berger in Sander Berg. I saw that. As a holding mid, so that's crippling for Sheffield, but that that even helps Burnley's case even more, which we both think they're going to be an upper mid-table team. So I think Man City still wins here. I think they're going to be a little bit butthurt after the Community Shield, and uh, they need to get things rolling. Okay. Uh, Let me tell you what, man. Manchester City did not look like the Manchester City we saw at the end of last year uh, in that that Community Shield game. Uh, I was listening today to another show and they were talking a little bit about the uh complacency that manchester united had to deal with in the 90s after they won their treble uh with fergie and i'll tell you what fergie was a much more uh iron-fisted manager than pep is so it, it does make me think like are some of these players not necessarily the younger players but the ones that have been around and have done it Cancelo uh kyle walker players of that nature maybe even rodri to a degree kdb um will they have been satisfied you know super satisfied with their performances last year and ease off the gas a little bit this year i i know that really there's there there are two schools of thought you know one being what i just mentioned and the other one being no, Manchester City are absolutely unstoppable. The the money, the team, the manager, there's just no way. But I think this is truly quite a change in terms of personnel. They lost Mares, who's been there for years. They've lost Gundwan, who's been there not for a long time, but 
was really really successful there. It's Pep's first signing. I, I know, and and now they have, um, they have a new center back coming in. You've got Guardiola coming in. John Stones will be moving up probably into that defensive midfield role. Uh, Bernardo Silva potentially leaving. Like this is this is gonna be different. This is gonna be a much different year, I think, for City. I'm not saying they're gonna be bad. Uh, but I don't think it gets off to the start that everybody is expecting. I'm I'm gonna forecast a a draw here. Big that's a big result for uh for Burnley. Burnley there. I, yeah. I'm 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 all in on Burnley this week. I think I think there is a possibility it's a new look Burnley. It's totally different from what we used to see with Daesh. Uh I'm gonna put some some eggs in, in the Burnley basket and and just forecast a draw here. Uh my hatred for City is growing. And I'm I'm hoping uh, maybe this is like a, a step back for them this year. Probably won't be, but that's what I'm praying for. If you're forecasting Arsenal be top of the league from the start. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we are playing Nottingham Forest. We did lose to them at the end of last year, if you remember. Yeah, but it was it was at Forest. It was Jover as well. It was already done at that point. Um, yeah. One more thing before we move on. Do you think Gundogan leaving is kind of equivalent to Liverpool last year with Mane leaving? Yeah, I think it's it's a big thing. I, I 100% think uh, those two things are comparable. And uh, even something crazier is the fact that if Gundogan is not registered as a Barcelona player, which, by the way, he's played for them in friendlies already, if he is not registered in La Liga as a Barcelona player by sometime next week, he is free to leave on his own and seek another club. I saw that yesterday from Fabrizio Romano. Liverpool might be in on him. That's how fucking ridiculous things are at Barcelona at this point. And that's also something to consider with Jao Cancelo, who wants to move to Barca. If they can't sign somebody they already got from City, how do they expect to complete a transfer to get Cancelo and then also sign him? Like Yeah, they... I think they still have a couple of years left of that of that that kind of reputation and that they but do, yeah. It's behind the scenes, it's just crumbling, and it's not it's not going to be feasible to get all these top tier people because just you're but you've sold a lot of your rights and you're not making as much revenue, and things are going to eventually kill you, especially if you're not winning titles. So, Xavi uh, and them are in a tough spot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, let us move on to Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest. This game at the Emirates kicks off at 7.30 on Saturday, the 12th of August, and I cannot wait. Uh, I am so excited. It's looking like we're going to be without Gabriel Jesus, but other, you know, other than that, it seems like pretty much we'll be at full strength. Saka and Martinelli seem to be healthy. We're going to see Havertz. We're going to see Rice. We're going to see Timber and... We just signed Raya, but I would imagine we'll see Ramsdale unless things go awry. Um, Nottingham Forest, great at the end of last season, but I think Arsenal should be able to wrap this one up nicely. I'm I'm very curious to see how the defense looks uh, in an actual Premier League fixture. We conceded some goals throughout the preseason, but they didn't look terrible, and it's looking like Denver is going to be the first choice at either left center back or left back. Uh, slotting Kieran Tierney now down to third on the depth chart at this point. I I do I w- I want to know what do you think this means for Zinchenko because he was defensively a, a liability, but I think going forward and creativity wise was like a complete revelation for us. 
So can you see Mikel changing uh, and maybe swapping uh, Zinchenko into the midfield, letting him play alongside Rice? Yeah, that's definitely in the books. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. I think adding Timber and you're seeing Kivior given more responsibility as well. So those guys could maybe rotate left back. Um, they can also play anywhere across the back line. Uh, we forget about Tierney still at the still at the club too. I mean, he's a top-notch guy who could play and start for most teams in the league. And I think that's a possibility, especially when Party gets hurt. It's uh, that that didn't happen too much last year, where he went on a big run of injury. But yeah, him in there can allow Rice to push more forward. And uh, when you guys are pressing super high, he's a great uh, tackler and ball interceptor. So having him in an advanced role and feeding those those front men that that get everything done for you uh, could be a game changer. So I think that's that's a positive thing. We'll have to see him and work slowly into that role. But um, that's the I think that's the best problem to have as a manager is just the amount of possibilities in your squad to fill things out is a good problem not a bad problem we saw last year where um other clubs like chelsea had just so many injuries they couldn't figure things out and and likewise for um one one or one or two other teams so it's uh i think it's a good thing to have there for mccown zinchenko in the middle yeah um before we give our pick, I mean, I'm going to take Arsenal on this one before you say uh, who you have. I would like to say that Julian Lopetegui is finished. He is gone from uh, Wolves. They have just decided to part ways. So, Yeah, we mentioned that Yikes. one or two episodes ago when we were discussing first sacking. I don't know if this is considered the first sacking before nah. the season even started. No, nah, no, nah, he left. But this, we were talking about this, where last year, him and the, the club's vision weren't in line. He wasn't agreeing with a lot of the transactions being made with players brought in. They didn't fit his style. So that shows he didn't have any say in who was coming in. So already a strike there with him. And then obviously the play on the field and the results weren't going there either. They struggled to get across the line. And now I guess it was the last straw for him and he just didn't want to have any stress to begin with because their first running games isn't the kindest so uh, i guess he just called it quits and now i think i think i've seen the lead candidate is gary o'neill oh, brother more absolutely putrid wolves football is going to be on our plates this year there is no doubt about it does it uh, do you consider wolves having a new manager bounce in the opening game fuck no <laughs> no way <laughs> I don't think there's even like the the manager market is so bone dry right now. There's nobody Grand that Potter. they. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's true. I, I didn't even consider him. Um, is Broad, Broad still available? Uh, yeah, I think he is. I I think honestly, Grand Potter's probably still in Mykonos or Ibiza. Uh, as well, probably just chilling. So, um. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think a uh, new manager bounce is applicable to this Wolves team with the players they have, and especially considering Gary O'Neill probably be a considerable downgrade from Lopetegui. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, that's a tough one there for, for Wolves. Yeah, but uh, back, back to Arsenal and Forrest. I will say for Forrest, Matt Turner is going to be coming into the club now. Oh, yeah. Him and Dean Henderson is soon to come. So two front guys there to rotate between. 
Um, Gibbs White, Brendan Johnson. We'll see if Awani, Awani can pick up where he left off last year. He had six goals in three games. Uh, ending the year with keeping them up in the league. So they have positive things going forward. We talked about their midfield being a little bit, little bit thin and not having the best of quality, but they are on the road. It's it's Arsenal opening day. I don't see anything but maybe like a 4-1 skunking here. You think Arsenal are going to blast them out of the water? Yeah, they uh, have to. I'd love, I'd love to see four goals on the first day. That would... Especially if City drop points or also do the same thing. They need to match whatever they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And they'll have they'll have watched that game and and known what happens. Yeah. Uh, by the time you know they kick off the next morning. So fair point. I want to go with Arsenal as well. Uh, okay. Up next, Bournemouth versus West Ham at Vitality Stadium. So this one's a home one for the Cherries. Uh, I think I have to go with Bournemouth, man. I I sort of sung their their praises a little bit. Uh, in terms of new signings, uh, they've got Milos Kirkes as well. Um, who is, I think, a left back. I don't know. Tim said he's really good. I got to watch the yeah. tape. Um, I, I'm not super familiar with him, but they brought in Clivert, uh, who I'm excited to see. They've got a couple of pacey wingers. They've got Traore in now as well. Uh, and then West Ham, who I have predicted in 20th place. I just, I got to see something from West Ham, uh, in order to start picking them. And I'm, I'm, just going to go with my gut, which says West Ham lose this one. Uh, I don't know if it'll be heartbreaking or if it'll be a route, but I I really favor Bournemouth in this one, and it's a home game on the first day of the season. I think uh, I think Premier League Saturday gets kicked off with a bang, and they win. Yeah, I got Bournemouth as well most of the time. Just take the home team here. I think with the new manager they have, we're going to see a little bit more of a different style. Um, for Bournemouth going forward, West Ham, we know are going to be very stout uh, route one. So Bournemouth's probably going to control a little bit more of the game, especially with West Ham without Rice in there to clean things up. So I think we might see a debut goal from Cliver, maybe coming off the bench potentially, which could be nice for them to start off their year positively. Yeah. Um, okay. Up next, Brighton versus Luton. I'll give you the next couple ones uh, going first. Who do you have here? This is a tricky one. Luton's one that we don't really know what to expect. They've never been here before that we've seen in our lifetime. And it's, um, I don't know, I'm I'm back on the Brighton hate train like I was two years ago. Last year we were on the love train now with the whole summer saga of Caicedo and all the other bullshit. We had to just buy their backup goalie for 25 mil. Um, we're literally just their sugar daddy at this point and paying for whatever they decide they want to do in their transfer business. But I don't know. I think Luton could shock some people here. I don't like Brighton ever at home. And I honestly don't know who's going to start up front for them. I would imagine it'd be their new signing, Jao Pedro. You got Welbeck, who is the vet, and then Evan Ferguson as well, who people forget about. He, forget about. He's only 19. Um, I'm really interested to see how this midfield plays because Caicedo sat out their last preseason game. It seems like he wants to force the move now. And Chelsea's going to have to pay 100 mil for him. So we'll see if that goes through by the end of the month. But I think just going based off last year and the quality they have, especially on their wing play, I think I have to go with Brighton. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Brighton too. Luton, I just have absolutely no idea what to expect. Yeah. Uh, I must have heard last night in the draft who the fuck is Carlton Morris 10 times. Uh, and I think, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I know who he is, obviously, he was their top scorer last year. Uh, but I just think Brighton are, are going to be a class above Luton. Uh, and I know this game is at the MX and all of the fans will be absolutely chuffed with Brighton's performance last year and probably hoping for more. Some people think this is going to be a bit of a drop-off year for them. I don't personally think they're going to lose any sort of their stylistic uh, play. Maybe in terms of, uh, what was I going to say? In terms of fixture congestion, things could could prove to be difficult, but I still think the beginning of the season, Brighton are going to be a threat, and I think they get the job done here against Luton, especially being as rested as they are. Yeah, and their second game got postponed next week against Burnley, so they'll have two weeks off before their following fixture. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, Matt, Sheffield United versus Crystal Palace. Who do you have here? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Everton versus Fulham. Who do you have here? Uh, I got the Road Dog here winning in Fulham. I liked a lot of what they showed in the summer series. Um, Harry Wilson might be a new guy stepping up for them, getting more playing time. Now that they had a few outgoings in his position, um, he'll have to still battle with, uh, whatchamacallit, with William, who's probably going to start on the other side. And you got T. Cordova Reed. And um, they also have uh, somebody else they have out there, too. I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but. Olam? Yeah, I'm forgetting. Olas uh, Vinicius? Yeah, he's a striker, though. I thought they. they oh, oh, they're trying to add Damari Gray. I oh, yeah. From Everton. From Everton. So. Not official yet, but if he comes in, that's competition for Wilson even more. But I think he's got the start on day one. The major pick, uh, or the major reason I should say is, Mitrovic is looking like he's going to stay. He played in their last preseason game. He's back in training, and I think Marco Silva said he's expected to start day one. So now you have a, a rotation of him, Carlos Vinicius, and Ralph Jimenez. So three proper big men strikers to rotate whenever. One is injured or the other is suspended or not for whatever reason. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think Fulham here, the way they play, is definitely going to be battering on Everton, who are going to be without Dwight McNeil, who's probably one of their main guys up front. Uh, he'll be missing the first couple games with a bit of a knock. Uh, we've heard from Sean Dice coming out and then uh, saying that Dan Juma is potentially going to be out for this game as well, even though he was pictured uh, to be training yesterday. So he might come off the bench for DCL as well. So, uh, yeah, got to go with Craven, uh, Craven, uh, uh, the Fulham, the Cottagers. That's what they're called. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I am also going to take Fulham. I, I maybe am not as confident. Uh, it seems as you are in Fulham, Everton have been known to, to show up sometimes defensively uh, yeah. in matchups like this. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring affair. I think if Fulham do win, uh, and I'm hoping they do. That'll be like a one nil or or maybe a, a two one something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I just think the fact that Mitrovic was was so convinced he would be leaving is going to be weird uh, in terms of team chemistry, and it might take a minute for Fulham to get going. I don't think we're going to see you know any issues in the long run Fulham going down or anything like that. But the chemistry will have certainly been a bit shaken. Uh, compared to how they how well they performed as a team last year. Uh, I do think Everton are just a peg below them in terms of quality, pretty much in every position in the pitch. So 
even without Paulinha, I think Fulham should be able to do a job here and take three points. Okay. Uh, Sheffield United versus Crystal Palace up next. This one back at Bramall Lane. Nice to see you again in Sheffield. Who do you have out of Sheffield and Palace? I have Palace here. Uh, Sheffield losing Indai was massive for them going forward. Now they lose Berga in the middle, potentially, who's their rock six in the middle. So their midfield is going to be absolutely drained. It's saying that John Fleck is going to be out for the next few months. He suffered a leg fracture. He was one of their lead figures in the middle. So it's going to be a, a, a Oliver Norwood-led midfield with a bunch of players that are new to the league. Um, they signed Austin Trusty from Arsenal, formerly of the Philadelphia Union, for 5 mil. He's their biggest signing thus far this summer. So adding depth into the back line. And they're going to have to be led by McBurney up front, and I don't see them really playing pretty ball. Uh, it won't take much to score on this Palace team. Uh, they do lead quite a bit of goals. But as a lead in the team going forward and the creativity they'll have on this defense that is going to be fragile is too much for me. And I think Roy Hodgson on day one gets another dub for, for, uh, for the history books. Yeah, I'm going to go with Palace as well. Uh, I am all in really this year on them i i took uh as in my my fantasy team i i just i had to have one palace player and i love the way that they play offensively i love the, the way yeah i love the way that they played uh for roy at the end of last season and i think this is going to be a continuation i think palace actually for the first time in a considerable amount of time um sort of have a basis to build on you've got Alyssa you've got as well we don't know how long they'll have him but um they've got Alyssa as a Jefferson Lerma came in uh from Bournemouth last year they've got <clears throat> a couple of veterans I'll say at the back uh Joe Ward Nathaniel Klein Joachim Anderson but on top of that they've got Guayhi who I think is going to be a future England number one in terms of center backs. They've got Guaita in goal, who was decent last season. I just think this is a, a, a decent team. And, you know, they, they really do, they seem to, at least last year, play really well for Roy. So Sheffield United's a bit of a uh, cupcake in the first week. And I think if Palace don't get three points here, that's a major opportunity scuttled. So I will take Palace in this one. Yeah, it's it's super important in the first two, three months to get as many points as possible just so when that winter fixture congested comes up, you're not needing a bunch of points to catch up. So the, the sooner these teams these teams in this level can get to 30 to 40 points, the better for them later in the year. Yeah, uh, and we should say Palace are like the team that always get hit by it the worst. They're always somehow the team that goes on this insane slump at one point, and then they just get back to winning ways. And last year it was with Vieira. They they took like two points out of eleven games or something. It was crazy. They just kept yeah. losing uh, in ridiculous fashion, not playing up to the standard that they had established earlier on in the season. Hopefully, we don't see that this year. Uh, and if we don't, then Palace have a genuine chance of placing. Maybe it's tough to say top eight, but. You never know. I think it's I think it's possible. Um okay, up next, Newcastle and Aston Villa. This is probably my game of the week. I What? Yeah, dude. Really? I think so. Over Chelsea Liverpool. Well, that 
All right, maybe not. This is a top two game of the week. Okay. Um, it's definitely the best game on Saturday, I think. I agree. Yeah. Newcastle have a bunch of new signings. They've got Tenali in. Um, they've they've strengthened up the midfield. Aston Villa have even more signings in. They've got Musa Diaby from uh not Frankfurt Leverkusen. Yeah. Uh, they have. They they managed to steal Yuri Tielemans from Leicester. I mean, there was points last year where Arsenal were looking at him. There were points where Madrid were looking at Yuri Tielemans. Uh, and he's wound up somehow or another at Aston Villa. So this is a, a really, really solid transfer window for Villa. They've got those two players on top of that. They got Pal Torres uh, from Villarreal. This is going to be one of those seasons for Villa where they really have to show us that the purchases weren't made in vain. I think when you look at this team on paper, they are genuinely a step up from last year, and they were decent last year. And in terms of Newcastle, they have to show us that last year wasn't a flash in the pan. So I think this one could be high scoring. I think it's going to be an entertaining watch. I'm going to take a draw, um, but... You know, it should be really entertaining to see all these new signings because it seems to me that they're all healthy. Yeah, I also have a draw in this game. We saw them play in the summer series here in America. It was a 3-3 draw. Preseason games don't take them too serious, but they both teams have a lot of creativity going forward. Um, another signing Newcastle made that kind of has flown under the radar uh, was Tino Livermento from Southampton for a little over 30 million pounds. He's a guy that can fill in at both fullback roles. Uh, we could see when Trippier is a bit uh, hampered or or Dan Byrne potentially can fill in one of those roles. So that's a positive signing for them there. The midfield's pretty sturdy. You already mentioned Tonali. We'll see him in a fully competitive match and how he can keep up with the tempo. I'm sure it's going to be a front three of maybe Isak, Almiron, and Wilson. Or maybe you slide Isak in the middle and put Barnes out on the left. Uh, Eddie Howe has more more options now to fill in for whatever he needs in a, in a game plan. So I think a draw as well. If I had to pick a winner, you got to lean more towards the home team because going up to play Newcastle is an absolute, it's a 10 out of 10 in, in just how hard it is to get any type, type of result out of there. Yeah, fair. Um, okay, we will move on to the Sunday games. We've got Brentford at Spurs and Chelsea at Liverpool. Brentford at Spurs at the GTEC Community Stadium um, on or at 9 o'clock. Big, important match for Spurs. Probably not as important for Brentford considering they're starting the season without their talisman player because he couldn't stop placing bets. Is it, is it foolish to take Spurs? I I'm taking the Spurs. Oh, I I don't I like want to. <laughs> just the, just purely off their attack, they did get that Mickey Van de Ven in fifty million pounds for, or euros from Wolfsburg, new center back. They're looking to get another one signed and brought in too, just so they don't have to play Eric Dyer or Davidson Sanchez. We could see the youngster uh, Adogi start at left back, so we're gonna see a lot of new faces in the back line as well as the midfield with Bentancur still out, so. Basuma and uh, Papasar have had decent preseasons, so we could see a more positive-looking midfield for them as well as defense. And then the attack is where everybody wants to see things happen with Madison in behind Kane, who's probably going to be here for this game. There are talks Byron's going to go back in for a fourth bid. 
probably will get Rick declined again. And then you got Kulisevsky and Son. So just the amount of firepower they had last year, they scored 70 goals, still got uh, eighth position because of their 60 goals against. But they might score 80 to 90 this year, potentially, with just the addition of Madison for me. So And without Tony, as you mentioned, for Brentford, I think they're definitely going to catch Tottenham out quite a bit here. They will have their opportunities, but I just think Tottenham's uh, talent up front can just equalize the liability in the back. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I'm i going to fucking hate myself for doing this already. I already know it. I am going to take Spurs. Um, maybe, maybe, just maybe, the appointment of Ange Postacoglu will take away... He's a no-nonsense manager. Maybe it will take yeah. away some of the Spursiness that we have seen uh, in recent times. Although I will say Conte was also a no-nonsense manager. Didn't matter. <laughs> Didn't take away any of the Spursiness. This is going to be the issue uh, all season, I think. If they lose Kane, that's the bigger issue. But it's, it's, it's reforming the identity of Spurs into a serious contending football club. If anybody's going to do it, I think it is this guy. Uh, but they got to win week one to set the tone. And I, I think they're able to do it. It's just, I don't know. I got the first 10 minutes, I'll be able to tell you whether they're going to win or not. So I will take Spurs, but expect a tweet after the first 10, either apologizing or confirming my belief. I think that's a fair take because last year Spurs were the worst team to watch in the first half last year. They yeah. needed a, they needed a whole half to get into the game. So if they start out hot, it's definitely a step in the right direction with the new manager. Yeah, I like I am genuinely so confident that I will be able to pick the winner after the first 10. Uh it's it's so true. Spurs just took way too long to to grow into games last year and it was a gigantic problem. Um okay, Chelsea versus Liverpool. Sunday at Stamford Bridge at 11:30. Matt, who do you have? I have a draw. Yeah. I'm, I'm not willing to Get fully on the bandwagon. The news of Nkunku being out for a maximum of four months is depressing. Probably would have started on the left, uh, where he primarily has been playing in the preseason. I ideally would like to see him behind Nicholas Jackson up front, but it's Mudrick's time to step up, in my opinion. We're going to be seeing him, probably Chukameka, Sterling, and then Jackson. That'd be the front four. It's not the most appealing, but... It's going to have to get the job done, and to play Liverpool is not the best opposition, but the midfield is where Liverpool are lacking. They don't have the depth there um, with a bit of injuries as well as selling 99% of their other players in there. Uh, we, we, I don't know if Trent's going to be in there to start in the midfield, but we're going to have to take our opportunities when we can, and we're going to somehow have to outpress Liverpool, who are defined by the gig and press of Klopp. So, um, it, I would ideally like us to maybe get like a 1-1 draw. If we can hold Liverpool to one goal or, or zero, I think that would be a great way to start the year and to show that defensively and just as a structure, as a team, we're looking good. I um, I think this is a high-scoring match. I'm going to take a draw. I'm going to take a draw as well. I think it's high-scoring. Um, I think you guys are going to be playing some players that maybe the casual fan isn't like, prepared to see on the pitch um i just think that chelsea right now even though they brought in some guys uh they're going to be testing those guys out 
I wouldn't be surprised even if we see guys like Matt Matson get time. Like this yeah. is gonna be a trial period, especially with Pochettino. We don't I mean, we know a little bit about who he likes from preseason and who played. It's it's possible that we see Nico Jackson like get the start, right? I would say he almost has to at this point. Yeah, you don't have a choice. Now that Nkunku's out, who would have been the only other person to start over him at the nine? Um, Nico Jackson is our out-and-out out striker now at this point. Um, I don't think Broya is completely back yet. He missed all preseason. So it's it's only Jackson. Um, we're trying to get Lukaku out. That would be the, the, the weirdest story of all time if somehow he, he gets reintegrated into this team. But I don't think that's possible. So... Um, Connor Gallagher is probably going to be a starter from day one. Yeah, so I'll play a little bit as a six until we can get Caicedo in officially. I think we're just going to have to plug and play people next to Enzo, whether it's Gallagher, Santos. Um, there's talks of Lewis Hall going on loan out to Palace for the year. Um, we did sign that new boy Leslie Ugo Chukwa. Oh yeah, okay. big Les. I don't, I don't know if he's going to get loaned out again. We also signed that Axel Diassi, another center back to fill in for Fofana. So what 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 that does to Chalaba and his future with the club, I don't know. But yeah, Stinks. there's a lot of options. There's a lot of options, but we're very young. I think we're we're up there for the youngest team this year just like Arsenal has been the last 3 years. So Yeah. I think it's where that's exactly what Poch wants and um just a positive result here would be nice even if we lose, like you mentioned if it's a high-scoring game where we're looking positive going forward. I think people will kind of accept that because last year, we just the chances were never there. And if they were, we couldn't finish them. So if it's a positive performance, it'll be great because after that, our next four games are, are very good. We play like Luton, Bournemouth, West Ham, and I think Sheffield too in, the, in that case as well. So um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's what I would look for. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm super excited to see how Chelsea look. Uh, super excited to to see Nico Jackson, and then of course I'm excited to to see that fucking absolute three headed dragon Hydra that Liverpool have up top. It should be uh, entertaining either way, no matter who who prevails uh, or whether they draw. This should be a really entertaining watch. Uh, okay, and then the last game for the previews: Manchester United versus Wolverhampton Wanderers, who literally don't have a manager. Hmm. Tasty. Games at Old Trafford. Cupcake, right? United? I mean, your manager leaves after a whole preseason three days before, four days before your first game. It's, I don't know what they're going to be working on to fill that in. They have to find somebody new, and then that guy's not going to have the same preferences as the Lopetegui did, so it's already a whole makeover for them, and it's a really terrible start, and to have to go to Old Trafford, who they, we're going to see probably Hoyland get some minutes in here. It's going to be an absolutely lively crowd with a lot of positive things going forward. Onana's competitive debut. So everything's looking good in United's favor, and that's probably when you think they're going to choke it a bit. So um, I think I'm going to go a little bit of a flyer here. I'll go with a draw. I did have United at first, but I just think United is United at times, and I think this might be one that's in question for them to start off the year. I'll take United. Uh, I think they're good enough in terms of pure talent to just rip Wolves apart at the back. 
Uh, I, I have no desire to watch any sort of Wolves football whatsoever, but I will be off. This game's at 3 p.m. Eastern. There is no doubt that I will watch every minute of it. Um, but, God, I've never seen a fixture that moves me less. I just think Wolves are such a cupcake, ridiculous team, especially with no Lopetegui. Like, what an absolute clown show of an organization that is a shithole club, if you will. I think United win this one in an absolute fucking route. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think um, going to start. Yeah, I, th- I think money money Mace will be starting. Uh, they spent enough money on him. They got to they gotta put him in there and then see how it works out. We should say West Ham offered United uh, a joint package, $70 million for uh, McGuire and McTominay. That's the most West Ham thing I've ever heard. And if United get those guys off the books, like they actually become 10% better. So uh, maybe they'll be gone by, by the time this game kicks off. Who knows? Getting those guys off the books is, is huge. And getting that influx of money, maybe you can spend it uh, by, uh, by the close of the window. Who knows? Could be, could be something interesting to keep your eye on. Yeah, I think Ten Hag sees something in McGuire. I don't know. He says he's an important figure. Maybe what? that's just what does he see? An extra chromosome? I don't know. I think maybe he's just just saying the good things to the media. Maybe behind the scenes he feels different. But I don't know. If you're not do you, like would they bought McGuire for eighty mil? If you're going to get like thirty five for him, I would take that. Like you're not going to get anywhere. Near no, you have to cut your losses. You simply have to do it. He was so shambolic for them at pretty much every turn. You paid, you literally bought high, you have to sell low, you have to cut your losses. This fucking, um, I forget the financial theory, I'm, whatever, I forget what it's called, because I'm a moron, but, um, you simply have to just cut your losses now. Um, you've got two other center backs, you've got Veron, who literally is one of the probably greatest center backs I've ever watched play, uh, and you have, uh, Lissandra Martinez, who, jury for me is still way out on him but what has been decent enough like get somebody that you can back up those guys with and just because you can like 35 million is plenty to buy probably two backup center backs definitely one good backup center back just just cut your losses man give it up get rid of mcguire get rid of mctominy and move on yeah it's basically the same exact team they added two players that's a Sorry. All right. Um, about forty-five minutes. That's good for just the preview. I cannot wait to break these games down. I'm so excited. Uh, in the meantime, I would love to wish you guys a truly happy, special first weekend of the 2023-2024 Premier League season. I am so excited for all of the storylines that we will come across this year and so glad that we'll be able to break it all down with our loyal listeners every week. Matt, you excited as I am? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every day that goes by, it's getting better and better, and still we could be seeing more players come into our clubs. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, thanks for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and apple podcast good luck to you good luck to your teams hopefully no injuries during the first week and we will see you all next week